to debate with myself in front of the beer fridge i cannot remember if i've drank this on the podcast or not i want to say no so and then i decided i like it so i don't care (laughs) but this is a beer called bubble tub by weiner beer company fun and it is a kettle soured saison ale with watermelons and i picked out this beer specifically because of the can it's got (laughs) like a goat head on the wall with a watermelon stuck on its horn and a cat wrapped in a watermelon bath towel and a dude (laughs) taking a bath inside a watermelon it's like it's chaos it's total chaos on this can (laughs) that sounds like fun it is fun what are you drinking over there So I am continuing my canned wine saga, Mm. Um, and today I am drinking Man Can, which is a white (laughs) wine with fizz, and I saw this can and I liked it because there's a dog on it, but there's a little story, Um, and it says Man Can was born out of the desire for a simple, carefree, high-quality wine, wine that you can take anywhere, and that definitely isn't persnickety. I teamed up with my childhood friend Fisk whom I met 25 years ago at summer camp we now work together in an old brick firehouse that still has three poles I'm lucky enough to walk to work with my dog Gracie and I always stock a fridge full of man can enjoy and it tastes like like Andre champagne to me Mm. so it's pretty it's pretty good I would I like to tailgate with champagne (laughs) (laughs) bougie (laughs) yeah so i like that this tastes like that but i wouldn't get yelled at for having a glass bottle bottle in a parking lot in like downtown detroit so this might be my new tailgating go-to i like it can we talk about the word persnickety for a minute i I think that that we need to start using that in everyday conversation okay let's do it persnickety done sounds like an old person word but i like it <laughs> me too i you know what i'm gonna get a donkey and i'm gonna name it persnickety Ooh, i like it <laughs> and welcome to we drink and we farm things that's bev over there and that's sam over there and this is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for your ears We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We want to create a community for farmers, whether you have a hobby-sized farm or a huge farm, to come listen and feel like you're not so alone in this farm thing. We keep it real with you and find humor in the mistakes we make, new knowledge we gain, and sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related. And speaking of those tangents, we cut a lot of those and stick them up on our Patreon. So this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So check out patreon.com slash drink and farm. And we have all kinds of fun stuff up there for you. And the fall gifts are coming. So that means if you're at the $5 level or above by the end of August, you'll be included on that. So you'll get something in your mailbox, probably mid to late December, not December, mid to late September. (laughs) That, you know, is just like a thank you for supporting us. So if you're not a Patreon peep, maybe you should be. Yes, go do that now. It helps support the podcast. It helps us buy new equipment when we need it. It helps us travel to cool things like coop camp and Mm -hmm. yeah and we really appreciate your support um your support is the best way of telling us that you like the show and you want us to keep doing it you like us you really like us and you (laughs) do based on the support level we have now so (laughs) thank you guys thank you thank you and speaking of the patreon our drinks this episode were sponsored by elise ferguson which is at egf brahma mama so cheers lady 
Yes. Cheers. So I don't think we have any corrections per se. We didn't say anything like awfully wrong in any of our previous episodes that oh, I'm thank aware God. of. <laughs> someone will tell us. Someone will yeah. tell us. I'm sure of it. But I do have a little follow-up, and I stuck in the follow-up because it's about Herc the Donk, so basically everything about him is follow-up at this point, right? That's true. That's a good way to look at it, yeah. Yeah, that's what I figured. So uh, Herc the Donk has been separated from his goats for now. Mm-hmm. And why is that? So we've had Herc for about four and a half months now and we haven't had any problems with him directly doing anything to the goats. So I was super surprised when I was mowing the other day and I watched him tackle one of the goats to the ground and start grabbing at the back of her neck with his teeth. Um, if you've ever seen a donkey attack prey, um, that's like, you know, you've, if you've seen that video of like the donkey swinging the, the coyote around by his mm-hmm. neck, yeah. that's like kind of what they do. They, they stomp and they swing. Um, so obviously I got extremely concerned <laughs> right? and jumped off the mower and ran in there and I clapped my hands really loud and yelled, Herc, Herc. Herc stop and he did he stopped like as soon as he saw me he stopped and he stood up and he just like cantered right over to me like nothing was wrong. <laughs> which was a little weird um but yeah. uh, so I took him out of the pasture and I'm like well shit what am I gonna do with him because you know he's been doing so well I never made any plans for what to do if he ever didn't mm-hmm. so I, you know, I just tied him to the post for a couple minutes and I thought like, you know, we have a barn stall, but I have cats living in it right now and they're too small to let loose in the barn. Uh-huh. So that's not an option. Are there barn stalls full of junk? I don't have time to clean that out right now. So that's not an option. And I remembered we have a muzzle. So I was like, well, you know, he's getting a little fat from <laughs> grazing so much <laughs> on the fresh pasture anyhow. I was like, well, you know, you really should be muzzled. And I thought if I took his teeth away, that that would take care of the problem. Mm-hmm. So we muzzled. And we've been doing this really cool thing um, every day where a couple times a day I give Herc free range of the pasture and I keep the goats locked in their shed so that they're not out while he's roaming free without his muzzle and whatnot. Um, and that's been working really well. But then today he tackled one of the goats even though he was wearing the muzzle. Oh, no. So I can't tell if he's just playing too rough or like he really doesn't like them. Mm-hmm. But it's one goat that he's doing all of this to. So he's only picking on one goat. Oh, poor baby. <laughs> yeah, which is really sad. And of course, it's our sweetest goat. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it does. It That does make sense. So since it's our most docile and sweetest goat, unfortunately, I think I have to come to the conclusion that he's doing it intentionally. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So to protect everybody, I did clean out that barn stall today. I kind of had a feeling this was coming. So I've been kind of like chewing it over my head. Like, what am I going to do if I have to separate them? Because mm-hmm. I only have one pasture. Mm-hmm. I cleaned out the barn stall. So he got moved into that barn stall right away when he th- did that today. Yeah. And he's happy as a clam in there. He doesn't seem bothered by it whatsoever. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> I know. <laughs> He really is. Well, and you know, the worst part is we've been doing this training. I just bought a training the other day and we've gone through just a lesson, but the training has really been like for me, for how I'm supposed to conduct myself when I'm around him, mm-hmm. which has been super helpful. And in fact, getting him moved into the barn stall, that was really helpful because I needed a small training space for him anyway. So that was another reason why I was cleaning out the barn. But she says that the training space is supposed to be a place that he's really comfortable in. And I'm like, that donkey has never been in the barn. Like the first time he goes in, he's going to be so pissed at me. He is not going to have it. Because, you know, mm-hmm. donkeys are super cautious. So anything new, they stop and they, you know, really evaluate. But he must trust me because he walked right in. Like, I barely had to tug on him. Like, he's been listening to walk on. He's been listening to woe. So I clipped the lead on him. I told him to walk on. And we went. And he walked right into that stall, turned Aww. around and looked at me. I pulled the stuff off, left and closed the door. And then he stood there and looked around and was like, oh, Hmm. (laughs) 
what just happened? <laughs> I'm in timeout now. What is this? <laughs> right. Well, and I'm trying not to think of it as like a punishment for him because mm-hmm. it's really not. I'm not intending to punish him because like donkeys have their own personality. Every animal has their own personality. That's why we've heard all of that research that says, you know, like, don't put your donkey mm-hmm. with your goats because donkeys kill goats. But then you hear lots of other people that are like, well, I keep donkeys with goats and they get along, you know, like right. it's kumbaya out here. So every animal's just different. Right. And unfortunately, I don't know, like, I have no idea if I'm going to be able to reintroduce them. But for everybody's safety, I'm going to keep them separate for now. Mm-hmm. And it has not crossed my mind once to get rid of the goats or get rid of Herc because right. I signed up for them. Right. I want them and I love them both. So I'll figure out how to make it work. Yeah. You have a lot of space too. It's just that it takes time and money to, you know, section off a part of your pasture. <laughs> and I remember you saying you didn't want to st- like stretch any more fence this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think unfortunately Bev is going to be stretching some fence. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but I do have two options. So I was already looking into this before all of this really happened. I've been looking at getting Herc his own corral that I can mm-hmm. put inside the pasture because they have those corral sections that, you know, just pop up. Yeah. So I can make him a nice size corral. He needs a place where I can put him where he can have a dry lot. The corral would turn into a dry lot from his hooves eventually if we mm-hmm. trained in there often enough. I can put a nice like pop-up corral shed in there so that he'll be protected from the weather and have his own place to eat and sleep and whatnot. And I think his presence in or near the pasture is enough to keep most of the predators away. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. The only thing about a corral is um, the goats get to come and go into the corral as they please. I can't keep the goats out of the corral because, oh. you know, they're not designed. It's not designed for them. Right. So my other idea is to eventually build Herc's pasture around the goat's pasture because I saw online that some people keep their donkeys in the same quote unquote pasture, but the goat's pasture is fenced inside the donkey's pasture so that the donkey has access to the entire perimeter, but they don't interact physically. That's interesting. Yeah. And so I'm going to do a little more research into that, see how feasible that is, make sure that the space I have is really big enough for that. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've already started a pasture so like I might have to move a couple things around to make that work um but I don't know I'll keep everybody updated it's really unfortunate and in fact I felt kind of like a failure when it first happened because I was like people told me that this wasn't gonna work Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) but there are people that said it would work too so I think it's really just on the individual animal and it might not be this way for forever. I was going to have to separate him when the goats had kids anyways, because I was nervous about him stomping goat kids, like whether intentionally or on accident, because goat kids are super tiny. Right. So I was eventually going to have to separate him at some point. But um, it's just kind of unfortunate. He does so well with cows. um, So Right. But he's not going to F with a cow because it's like, the same size or bigger than him. That's very too. true. Now <laughs> Good these point. guys, he can bully around. Maybe his whole life he was bullied by cows, and now he's the big donk in the yard, and he's bullying goats. Like, you you don't know his full story, Bev. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, and, you know, like, in, he, he gets to have his own personality. Like, yeah. not, not all donkeys are going to be happy with goats. Like, it's that's just the way that it is. And it's okay. Right. I'm okay with him, even if he isn't. I just have to make the right steps to protect everybody and make everybody right. happy and healthy and comfortable. <laughs> and the the main thing is is that you learn from the situation and you can move forward with what you learned. So it sounds like you're doing everything that you can to make it right. Yeah, and I do hope to get him a friend eventually. It, it's going to be a little longer than I wanted to now that I'm looking at like building separate, you know, mm-hmm. pasture and everything. Because I did know that it's always been my intention to get Herc a friend eventually. Because donkeys are happier in pairs, but I wasn't confident enough to handle two donkeys. And quite honestly, two donkeys would have ruined me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're so smart. They would have totally outsmarted me. And (laughs) (laughs) But now that I understand how he works and I've got like a set training program to work with him, I'm going to get him trained, get him a friend, and then we'll all be happy and and good again. (laughs) And then you can make them their perimeter, 
like little pasture area and dress them up as security guards for Halloween. Oh my god. <laughs> yep, you're welcome. <laughs> and then dress up the goats like little prisoners. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> oh, I might have to tell Jared that we need another donkey before October. Mm. <laughs> and that you need the perimeter pasture set up. Set up. So, hop two. Right yeah. now. <laughs> chop, chop. <laughs> He's not going to let me and you hang out anymore because I give you really good ideas. <laughs> I mean, luckily he doesn't choose who I hang out with. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... It's that time of the month again. My favorite. <laughs> the Henny and Rue Corner. Of Yay. course. Yay. So what was your favorite thing in the August box? I mean, is it even a question? It was definitely getting coffee. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried it yet? No, I haven't. Um, because I want to make sure. Because I believe that it's formulated like specifically for iced coffee. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm under the impression that you can use it for either, but it's like a blend that you want if you're going to go the iced coffee route. Okay. So I'm thinking that I'm going to make it. So Tina had posted a like a recipe to do the overnight cold brew. Mm. So that's how I'm going to make it because I want to make it right uh, so that I can get like the best out of it. So I will try to do that this week and report back to everybody next week. But barnyard coffee like I, I love coffee i love good coffee me so finding too. another one just made me so happy yes. what was your favorite thing out of the box so definitely the tumbler that says yes i do need all these chickens because <laughs> now i don't need to say it out loud i can just drink my vodka drink out of that and just point to it if my husband asks me any silly questions <laughs> <laughs> i like how both of our favorites were drinking related <laughs> yeah coffee and booze are like the cornerstones of this podcast pretty much pretty mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. but you know what i'm also excited about the java melts i haven't tried one yet but it apparently you just like drop it in your hot coffee and then it makes it magical mm-hmm. um and i think there are like three flavors that came so I'm definitely going to try that out during the week when I'm working from home and just need like a little pick-me-up. So I'm excited to try those. Yeah, you can feel like you had a fancy latte, but yeah. you didn't have to leave the farm. Exactly. Or pay $6 <laughs> for it. Exactly. <laughs> we also got a bottle of Chick Fresh, which is a spray that eliminates odors. And it can be sprayed daily in your coop or nesting boxes. Or you can also use it on your furniture or anywhere else where there might be a little bit of a funky smell. So I'm excited about that because I don't like funky smells. Yeah, I used it yesterday in the smaller coops that we have. And my chickens looked at me like, what the F are you doing? But it smells really good. So I'm excited. Nice. Uh, that was in there. It's a new little find. Um, also exciting was the corn peanut and mealworm treats. So we got this dispenser back in January 2018 in that box and I still have it and it's in one of my smaller coops and you just like slide them in it's like this slender thing that you slide in and there's holes in it and then you slide these little round treats in there and the chickens love it and it's a great way for them to get a treat and to bust their boredom Um, but if you don't have the dispenser that's okay too you can just throw them on the ground and they'll go nuts over it so that was really cool to see something that tied into Kind of rewarding you for being loyal to Henny and Rue. I yeah. still thought that was kind of fun. I like that. Yeah, I still have mine hanging in my coop too. It's on a chain just like up against the wall. Mm-hmm. And whenever we get one of these in, because I feel like we've gotten another refill since yeah. this. Yep. So, so yeah, I just slide them in there and then they get to use their little treat dispenser, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. And we also got a couple of faux eggs, and you can put these faux eggs directly in your nesting boxes, and they help encourage your stubborn layers to lay in the right spot. So those are yes. always cool. I feel like every chicken keeper should have a handful of those. So Yeah, especially if you accidentally bring it in the house thinking it's a real egg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least you didn't send it to like an egg customer or something. That would have been embarrassing. <laughs> Well, funny story, the people that watched my 
um, my farm when we were at the Naperville Elfest, she's like, man, there was this one egg and I tried so hard to crack it and it just would not crack. And I was like, oh, I think it was one of the fake ones. <laughs> and I had to explain like why there are fake ones. So it's something that you think, don't really think of until like, somebody accidentally grabs it. And then they're like, holy crap, your chickens lay some strong eggs. <laughs> And we also got some first aid wrap, which I never, you know, want to be short of. And the stuff doesn't stick to feathers, which is great. And you know what? This is a nice item to have for your goats or any other animals on the farm. So that was just a nice little stock up in the first aid kit. Well, and we saw someone in our group, their mom used it. Yeah. A wound that she had. (laughs) So, I mean, it's even good for humans because like that human medical stuff is expensive so it is is. (laughs) and we also got some happy hen oregano or pop are they oregano or or oregano yeah so either you got the oregano treats or you got the poppy seeds treats okay and i got the oregano ones because i tried to open it yesterday because my chickens were staring at me when i was trying to get them to do a photo shoot and they're like we don't work for free bitch and I didn't open it right, and they they were pretty mad at me, and I noticed then that it was oregano. So I know that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so oregano is really, really good for your chickens. So that is a pretty healthy treat for them to have. Um, so I was very excited to get those, too. Yes. And, of course, you know, the tumbler that you talked about, which right. I'm super excited about. Yes. And then we got the nesting box liner that you get every single month, which is a nice little bonus. Not only does it make the box look super cute, but you can actually use it in your nesting boxes. And I'm pretty sure they're compostable. Yes, they are. They are compostable. I can confirm that because I actually use them in my (laughs) nesting boxes. (laughs) And then I was snooping around on the Honey and Rue Instagram the other day, and she did post a September sneak peek. And there's this really cute rustic stone trivet tray that's going to be there or in the box next week, next week, next month. (laughs) Wishful thinking that it would just hurry up. And it says (laughs) money can't buy happiness, but it can buy chickens and chickens make breakfast and breakfast makes you happy. And because I totally appreciate that logic, I can't wait to have that little trivet tray in my house because I have a few that are all chicken themed that I use basically every night during dinner. So I I won't be mad about another one. Well, and I love that saying. I have a dish towel that has that saying on it that one of my (laughs) friends gave me as a gift. So now I've got like a theme going on in my kitchen (laughs) without meaning to. Look at you. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to grab a hold of that September box, you can go to honeyandroot.com and subscribe. And if this is your very first box, you can use code DRINKANDFARM. To get 10% off your very first box. And we highly suggest you go ahead and just just do that because your chickens will thank you. Yes, they will. All right. So the, the saga of Bev's goats being difficult. Bev's goats and donkey. <laughs> I feel like you've had a, a tough few months with your your pastured animals <laughs> uh, well so it's funny I well maybe it's not funny I like to say it's funny when I'm uncomfortable <laughs> don't we both <laughs> right I have been kind of like trying to think to myself like am I just really terrible at this or Aww. do like terrible things just happen and I think what it is is that there's just always something going on on the farm mm-hmm And that continues to increase the more you have going on on the farm. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to mean that your farm is really busy because of specific farm things. It's just that I think the Murphy's Law of farming is the more things that are going on in your life in general, the more insane everything else is just going to be in response to that. Yeah. And I wonder, too... If some of this, and I don't want to spoil it, is just that you're hyper aware. Yes. Of things based on what happened with your sweet little baby goat. Um, and based on all the, the Herc drama, too, with his balls or lack of balls, you know. So it kind of creates like a hyper aware 
um, outlook on everything that's going on with your farm. Yeah, it totally does. Because like the minute something goes really wrong, like what happened with Darby, you suddenly start to wonder if maybe you're missing things. So Mm -hmm. you're just automatically spending more time out there. So you're seeing more things like what what we're going to talk about today, because it was so mild in my case, could have totally been missed because I I used to go a whole day or two without going out there, if I'm Mm -hmm. being totally honest, because I don't have to. They have a giant trough of water. They graze for most of their food. They have protection from Herc the Donk, who had never been aggressive towards them. So, like, I could go out of town for a night and not have to have a sitter for the goats and the donkey because they just took care of themselves this time of year. Mm -hmm. So something like this that didn't last very long could totally easily be missed. So, and obviously I'm not doing that anymore because I'm afraid of missing a symptom like Darby's mm-hmm. so <laughs> right right but at the same time that can and I've noticed it with myself based on what's happened with Darby and I added myself to more goat vet type groups like emergency groups so when somebody posts in there it's never good it's yeah. never good and then it has that WebMD effect on you like, mm-hmm. oh my God, there's so much bad happening. Like, what's wrong with my goats? But there are like hundreds of thousand people in this group. So, of course, something's going wrong right. at some point in the day. Because <laughs> there's hundreds of thousands of goats because of how many right. people there are. So, like, right. many of them are bound to be sick at the same time. Like, that's and, just the And even of it. more of them are fine. Or what they have going on is just a fluke. And it's just because they're animals, too. So you got to, I think for me, it's like just trying to find that inner peace and balance of, okay, I need to be informed. So if something does go wrong, I'm prepared. But at the same time, if my goat chokes on a piece of food when it's eating it, he'll probably be fine. <laughs> yeah. It's not choke and they're not going to die from it. Like Exactly. Because <laughs> that does exactly. happen. They can get, you know, like a matted, a matting of food in their esophagus mm-hmm. and then, you know, the they're either fine from it or they aren't (laughs) exactly it's more common in horses and donkeys so that's why i know about it but i imagine it can happen to goats um and in fact i'm gonna go off on a tiny side tangent here really quick because i made an observation about darby's thing that i hadn't necessarily noticed until today i never posted in any groups or anything asking for advice about darby oh I was like, that's really odd because like I post in our group all the time when something Uh goes wrong. A, because I want people to know that like shit goes wrong on my farm. So it's okay. (laughs) So they're welcome to post their things, too. And we'll jump in and we'll be helpful and we won't be judgmental. But also, I think getting other people's perspectives and experiences are really important Mm -hmm. because not everybody's animals are the same. So you can't say that the way it went for you is going to be the exact same way it went for that person. So the more Mm -hmm. input you can get the better possibility it is that you can find a situation that's going to more match what you're going through. Right. And I figured out why I didn't post in the group or any group. It's because I had called the vet. So I thought that the vet was the end all be all. And once Mm. he was there, it was going to be fine. Right. Right. I was like, Oh shit. Like I should have realized I could have still gotten some advice. (laughs) Right. Like I think I sent you and I know I've posted in the group, like a, a one pager, from one of the groups I'm in. And what I actually did was I went through and saved like all of their one pagers Mm. for every different thing. So there's like 40 of them (laughs) and I made like an album on my phone so I can quickly look through those if something goes wrong. Um, But some of those groups, like even in some of those groups though, like people can just be effing stupid. Oh, Like when you're in the middle of a crisis too. So part of that for me would be like, do I want to deal with idiots on top of the people trying to actually be helpful to me in this very stressful time, or am I just going to trust my vet? Um, but I feel like you kind of did the same thing with Herc, with his his surgery and stuff. For a minute there, you thought that that was an end-all, be-all, but then you kind of shifted your focus a little bit by looking at a second opinion. Now, that wasn't yeah. as dire because you had more time. Yep. But when you're in that emergency mode, it's very easy to kind of get tunnel vision I think is that kind of what you're thinking it was I think I tunneled in on the vet and I asked them for everything that I needed and I just was like all right this is how we'll move forward and I'll talk about it on the podcast how we overcame this 
and then I'll still get to share it that way without having to deal with all the, you know, column because that's what you get a lot like mm-hmm. that animal suffering column and you're like well no they're like they're my friend right <laughs> I'm only gonna do that if I absolutely have to right and I want to try to do everything I can before yeah. we have to make that decision yep yeah but anyways <laughs> I was gonna say what we're talking about today like isn't serious whatsoever it's no, a little lighthearted, no. but it's a little no. weird <laughs> yeah yeah, it's a little weird. <laughs> so it started because a couple of weeks ago, I went into the pasture and I noticed that Mini Coop, he's our little boy weather, he had what I can only describe as old man mouth. <laughs> and I know that sounds really weird, but he just didn't look right. His face looked kind of dry and wrinkly. So like... Mm-hmm his lips and his nose like everything just it looked like he didn't have teeth (laughs) like it like like an old man mouth (laughs) yeah (laughs) so I snapped a picture of it and I sent it to Sam and what did you say Sam (laughs) I said it almost looks like he's got herp (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then I go like googled goat herpes and found out it was a thing I was like I don't want to scare her by telling her it's actually a thing because it didn't look like that bad (laughs) but then you came back and told me like that you googled it too and I was like fudge like I didn't want her to worry (laughs) yeah I did I I I snapped a picture of it and you know I ended up posting it in the group this time and Mm -hmm. I because I wasn't going to call the vet about this because I just I didn't think it was that serious and um and I did some googling and it came up as like either sore mouth which is what like the goat herp is essentially And uh, Elise, I believe it was Elise in the group, had mentioned something about photosensitization. Yes. And we're like, what the hell is that? I have never heard of this. Because it's something that happens in horses, but it turns out it happens in goats, too. Mm -hmm. So... I know we mentioned sore mouth, um, but we're not going to talk about sore mouth today because that's a whole nother topic. But we will deep dive into sore mouth sometime just because it's something kind of interesting. But just to tell you what sore mouth is, um, it's a contagious postular dermatitis. So I know, right? (laughs) Postular. (laughs) Postular, yeah. So it's really common and goes worldwide. It can produce painful, thick, scabby sores on the lips and gums and even like on the outside of the face and the nose. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's what that is. If you happen to see something weird like that on your goats, you can Google sore mouth and really get it. But we'll talk about it some other time when we have a week where we need to talk about something weird and gross. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And today we're going to talk about photosensitivity in goats yes yes they are and I want to also point out that Bev sent me that picture the first thing I said was oh Cal has something like that randomly and I noticed like around his eyes and around his like nose area there won't be so much hair there sometimes it's a little dry Um, And based on some research that I did, it could just be like a mineral deficiency. Because the funny thing about minerals is you should leave them out free choice. But if anybody like tinkles on the minerals or they get wet from humidity, (laughs) they won't touch it. Or your goat might just be a bougie a-hole and not eat that brand of mineral. And then that can cause some kind of deficiency within their system where they have dry skin. Or they might lose some hair around that area because maybe the hay that you got them has some weeds in it. Or they got into something that their face just didn't agree with. And that can be either the same or a little different than photosensitization. Drink some canned wine and say that five times. (laughs) I wanted to say (laughs) photosynthesis. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Um, So it could just be something really minor, something like that's common, like sore mouth, but is not something you want to mess around with either. So first rule of thumb, don't panic. But sometimes it's really hard not to panic when you feel like something's wrong with your animal. Right. (laughs) And uh, we had to pull a bunch of research about photosensitization um, because we're not really sure that that's what Coop had. It it cleared up really fast. So it may have been a little tinge of it. It may not have been. Um, But we pulled some articles from George M. Barrington, which is a DVM, PhD 
D-D-A-C-V-I-M, College of Veterinary Medicine, Washington State University. We're trying to cite really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you – we'll link to it in the show notes, but it's from Merck Vet Manual, which if you do any kind of Googling with chickens or any oh, yeah. kind of, like, livestock animal, that'll come up, and it's very, like, cut and dry – um, no emotion because it's like an academic kind of journal. Um, yeah. So you'll read it and be scared is what I'm trying to tell you. Pretty much. But then we also pulled an article from our friend who doesn't know she's our friend. Our new BFF. I know. We need to interview her. We should. We should. Her. <laughs> Suzanne Gasparato um, from Tennessee Meat Goats. And her article is Photosensitization in Goats. So... We're going to tell you all about it today and tell you how worried you should be if your goat has some of these symptoms. So I hope you're ready because we're about to get sciency for a minute. Yep. Yep, we are. And we're going to say some words that we probably don't even know what they mean. We're going to say some words not right. Yes. So don't hate us. But this came straight from the Merck Vet Manual. Um, so we're going to try to be sciency. If we say something wrong, please forgive us, but we hope you get the general gist of what we're trying to tell you. So, photosensitization occurs when skin, especially areas exposed to light and lacking significant protective hair, wool, or pigmentation, becomes more susceptible to ultraviolet light because of the presence of photodynamic agents. Ooh, what does that mean? (laughs) Um... I do want to let you guys know that it is different than sunburn and photodermatitis because both of these conditions result in pathologic skin changes without the presence of a photodynamic agent. So in photosensitization, unstable high energy molecules are formed when photons react with the photodynamic agent. And these high-energy molecules initiate reactions with substrate molecules of the skin, causing the release of free radicals that, in turn, result in increased permeability of outer cell and lysosomal membranes. (laughs) That's a mouthful. (laughs) But basically means is there's damage to the outer cell membranes, and that allows for leakage of cellular potassium and cystoplasmic extrusions. Um, and lysosomal membrane damage releases lactic enzymes into the cell. And this can lead to some words that we know more about, like skin ulcerization, necrosis, and edema. Edema is swelling, in case you weren't aware. Um, The time interval between the exposure of the photodynamic agent and the onset of clinical signs depends on the type of agent its dose and the exposure to sunlight. So all that being said is basically like your goat gets a hold of some bad shit and it makes their skin go crazy. And if we're going to sum it up in a way that's a little more digestible. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad shit either that they got a hold of. Cause there's some like common things that show up in pastures or feed mm, or mm-hmm. hay um, that can cause this in some goats and not others. So right. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. And it could be like a wide range of chemicals that induce some kind of fungal or bacteria into their system and act as photosensitizing agents. However, most compounds that are important causes of photosensitivity in vet medicine are plant-derived. So photosensitization (laughs) occurs worldwide and can actually affect any species, but it's actually more common in cattle, sheep, goats, and horses. Interesting. Yeah. Um, So now we're going to kind of pivot to Susan from Tennessee Meat Goats because she's a little easier for us to digest. So we, you know, have referenced Susan probably like, it feels like like 20 times in the last three months. (laughs) Well, when we are talking about something that's like clinical, well, so here's the deal. And uh, yeah, we'll just put this out there. When we first started talking, we were just referencing any blog that looked like it had pulled um, good clinical information because we like to research. So we want to do our best to share research that we think is valid. Mm -hmm. But Um, Susan from Tennessee Meat Goats is a good source 
of academic information. So she makes it easy for a topic because she has experienced it firsthand and has thoroughly researched it. And we want to try to share information that is as accurate and valid as we can in the moment. How this episode feels 10 years from now, we have no idea. We can't can't (laughs) do that. We just have to give you the best information that we have now. So we're going to probably use her a lot when it's something that's clinical about goats because she's a good, solid resource of information. Yes. And I cross-referenced her and the Merck Vet Manual, and they're pretty dead on. It's just she says it in a way that's a little more digestible to a person that isn't trying to be a vet. Yes. And that's really important because you have to understand Mm -hmm. the words that are coming out of our mouths in order to understand what something is. (laughs) Right. And I liked how she uh, explained photosensitization. She described it as the top epidermal layer of light-skinned goats um, and how it's sensitive to certain spectrums of ultraviolet light. So when you have this condition... Um, It shows up on hairless parts of the goat's body, like the lips, nose, around the eyes, udder, teats, vulva, and rectal region. So she pointed out that pigmented skin is not affected. So if you have like a black goat, um, it's not going to get this all over its body. But if you have a white goat in, in places like Texas, that might not be so ideal because of how hot the sun is and how it's out all the time. Um, And she points that out later in her article too, that it, you're more likely to have a really big problem when the skin isn't pigmented. Yeah, and Coop is a light-skinned goat. He is mostly white, and his cute little nose and his little rectal area (laughs) is all light pink skin, very prone to having issues with the sun if goat's skin or is anything like human skin is. (laughs) Yeah. So... The symptoms you need to look out for include itching, scratching, rubbing, dermatitis, which is like rough, irritated skin, which it looks like what Coop might have had, um, fluid accumulation or swelling under the skin, blistering, ulceration, and sloughing off of entire areas. Ew. Particularly mm. the lips, teats, and udders. Double ew. <laughs> yeah. Um, diarrhea might be present. Their eyesight can actually be affected. There can be corneal cloudiness, sometimes jaundice, which is yellowish skin. Even blindness and death can result in severe cases of photosensitivity. And symptoms might not actually show up for as long as 10 days after the goat encounters the causative agent. And one of the first things you'll see an affected goat do is they'll try to go find shade if they have this. They do not want to be in the sun. Which makes sense. I wouldn't want to be either. And that's very smart of them. It's their instinct kicking in to get the heck out of Dodge. So there are a couple of potential causes. And we kind of started talking about this a little already. But primary photosensitivity occurs when the goat eats a toxic plant. Um, lantana is a plant common to America, which can cause this problem, but there are many others. So if you're curious, um, you might want to reach out to your local agriculture extension service for a list of toxic plants in the area. That way you can kind of survey your area. (laughs) If you're like me and don't have a large pasture, it's a little easier to keep that stuff under wraps, but best pasture is really big. Um, so it's kind of hard to figure out what's okay and what might not be okay. Um, and generally goats are pretty good about knowing what they should keep their nose out of. Yeah, they are. But you know, two plants that might be kind of surprising to some people that can cause photosensitivity (laughs) in some animals is alfalfa and clover which are really common feed plants. Yes. Like my pasture is full of clover and I feed my goats chaffe, which is alfalfa chaff. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, those are really common and they're good for them, but sometimes it reacts with them. So if you have an animal that reacts to it, you, you know what it might be. Right. Exactly. So, um, 
there's also secondary photosensitivity and that occurs when the goat's liver doesn't excrete degraded chlorophyll but instead allows it to accumulate into the liver um, and mycotoxins may form on fungi attached to plants such as kleingrass, green oats, and another one that I'm not even going to attempt to say. Sack of Houston. <laughs> Thank I you. I can't help myself. <laughs> Thank you. But that can result in hard yellow liver disease, which doesn't sound great. Mm-mm. Um, and actually a really interesting point in this article was that one of the older forms of dewormers called phenothiazine, sulfoxide, um, if overdosed, it can actually cause photosensitization and photosensitization can actually induce abortion during the last three weeks of pregnancy, as well as result in liver damage. So the goat, this drug actually gives goat's milk and urine a pinkish tinge and can cause similar symptoms in humans who aren't handling it. So pregnant women should not be handling this product. And if phenothiazine must be used as a dewormer, keep the goats out of sunlight for three to five days after the application date. Well, and it makes sense why that might not be used so much anymore because we have tons of safety warmers. Like I yeah. accidentally gave Herc enough dewormer for like a thousand pound <laughs> horse uh-huh. and yeah. he was fine because yep. it's a safety warmer <laughs> so i i try to intentionally choose those types of dewormers because you mean to only click out a little bit and then mm-hmm. they bump you and your hand slams into something and before you know it you emptied the whole tube in them <laughs> right <You're> like, ah. <laughs> yes <laughs> so avoid that one if you can but if you can't just be very careful and if you're pregnant don't you don't be the one doing it <laughs> yes So photosensitivity reactions are more serious involved than just a bad hair coat. Um, Oftentimes a rough coat on a goat is the result of mineral or vitamin deficiencies, particularly copper and zinc. Um, And a goat in need of deworming will have a bad coat of hair. So just because they have bad hair doesn't mean that it's photosensitization. It could be a multiple different things. So you'll have to dig into it a little bit before just... Assuming that something is very, very wrong with them. So how do we fix it? So once a goat has been affected by photosensitization, um, it's like as you keep drinking, it gets harder to say. (laughs) So the solution is to remove the animal from the sun, put them in a shaded area, and change its diet from the plant causing the problem. So if it's your clover or alfalfa hay or whatever, if you're not sure, it might just help to kind of remove them from that situation for a little bit. And she does remove uh, clearing the goat's body of remaining offending foodstuffs by giving it milk of magnesia every four to six hours until the feces goes from normal pills to lumpy poop to normal pills. And she recommends using a dosage rate of 15, 15 cc's per 60 pounds body weight and you got to keep that goat hydrated because milk and magnesia acts as a laxative because it's gonna like flush the body out which means a lot of fluids are gonna leave the body and we know based on a couple episodes ago if the goat's dehydrated it's just gonna turn straight diarrhea um so you want to make sure you're very careful when you do that if you need to do that at all and hydration is necessary for uh, oh, yeah. for the rumen to work properly. So yes, so you got to be very careful. <laughs> um, and if significant areas of skin have been destroyed, broad spectrum antibiotics and even antihistamines like Benadryl might be necessary. And like we said, keep the goat in a shaded area until fully recovered, and eliminate the plant material that caused the problem in the first place if you can. Otherwise. That dummy might just go right back to it. And when we say dummy, <laughs> you mean it in the most loving way possible. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. <laughs> and that today is your drunk history of photosensitization. <laughs> I'm surprised we I can still learn something. It. Yeah, that's a mouthful. That is a big word. <laughs> it really is. I mean, I'm impressed with us. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers. So now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. Yay. And Bev is going to go first because I need a break. After yes. That. Yes, Those you do. Words. 
So my can't even this week is the video, or I guess it's like a short docudrama that Jay Hill from Chaffe and Del Valley Farms made with the American Farmers and Ranchers Association called 30 Harvests. And if you haven't seen it yet, you absolutely have to go watch it because you guys, I was sitting at my desk bawling like a baby while I was watching it. Like I had to get up and go take a walk. I I posted something to my story afterwards and I did that like an hour later because I needed to like compose myself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. It just, it was all the feelings. (laughs) Yeah. I watched it and had all the feels too and had a couple (sighs) moments. Yeah. Because it was just like, holy shit. Like, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody, so you need to go watch it because it's very, like, heart-wrenching and, but, like, good feeling at the same time. So you need to go, just go watch it. Do yourself a favor. But yeah. make sure you're not, like, at work when you watch it because you might cry. Like, you might bad. cry at your desk. But yeah. it's really good and it's really important. I'm In the show notes, we're going to link to an article from Ag Daily about the video and a link directly to the YouTube video so you can watch it and then you can read a little bit about it. But I actually wrote up something and sent this as a pitch to This American Life. Oh. Because I'm hoping that they'll do a podcast episode about it. Because I think, like, so one of the reasons why it struck me so hard was because, like, as somebody that just moved out to the country because I wanted to grow my own food and, you know, like, be quote-unquote self-sufficient or whatever, like, I hadn't put much thought into, like, the large production farmers' stories, and especially those, like, Jay, that are really intentionally trying to make the world a better place and farm Mm -hmm. from a sustainable standpoint that can actually, you know, continue for generations. Yeah. And it just, I think it's something that everyone needs to hear and see because there are farmers out there. And of course, you know, like there are a few old codgers, I guess, for lack of a better word, that won't, won't change their ways. Um, but there are a lot that are doing their best trying to make a living and trying to create healthy things for us that feed our bodies and the environment. And we need to listen to those farmers and we need more of those farmers is the bottom right. line. Well, and the thing is too, coming from like a farming background, sometimes you can't afford to make those changes too, which is incredibly frustrating because it's like you might not be able to financially afford to make those changes but at the same time there's a different reason why you can't afford not to make those changes yeah so it's I think it that video was very important to see no matter what your feelings are about some of the stuff they talk about in that video that this is the reality and farmers are seeing it. And actually a lot of farmers are doing their best to make that change already. And they're actually leading that change. And so many people just have the perception that they're perpetuating the problem when the majority of them saw the problem so long ago. But, you know, we've talked about the farmer suicide rate and how they feel stuck and can't make ends meet and the price of milk keeps going down. How do you expect that group to make those changes when you want your gallon of milk to remain $1.50 a gallon? Yeah, exactly. So that's why I sent it to This American Life because I think everyone needs to hear it and watch it. Yes, I agree. (laughs) It's very good. So that was a good find. And when I saw it wasn't your can't even, I was like, okay, okay, I got to watch it. It's fine. I'm not going to cry. And then I was like, "Ah, I'm crying. (laughs) Well, I was debating. I was like, maybe we should just do an episode where we talk about this. And I was like, nah, I want everybody just to get it on their own. And then maybe we can talk about it later for a mini set or something. People really want us to. Or we can have people join our Facebook group. Yeah. And we can all talk about it together on like a live. Yeah. 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 So what's your can't even this week? Mine felt really heavy, and it's usually not that heavy. Usually I'm a very no. happy-go-lucky can't even. <laughs> Mine's really weird this week. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. Um, so it's an I found this on the internet, 
um, obviously. And the article I'm referencing is thesun.co.uk. And we'll link to it in the show notes. But the headline is farmer. No, hold on. Let me back up. The headline is utterly bonkers. (laughs) Farmer proposes to his girlfriend by putting a diamond ring on a cow's teat, leaving people horrified. (laughs) So, um, a farmer who proposed to his girlfriend by putting the engagement ring on a cow's udder has been slammed online. And taking to the Facebook group, that's it, I'm ring shaming, a woman shared a snap of the proposal that she came across online. And the, the picture in this article is really disturbing. Like, it is a close-up shot of the ring on what looks like an old cow, because it's kind of wrinkly. Maybe it's not, I don't know. I don't know, maybe it's they're honesty. all wrinkly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Ugh, my goat's udder did not look like that. Maybe it's just milked, I don't know. But the farmer has been shamed online after he proposed to his girlfriend. Um, The picture shows the cow's teat with a diamond ring squeezed over the top, leaving fellow group members horrified. Okay, so um, (laughs) there were some really funny comments, and I'll read a few. It says, this person is a farmer, still doesn't excuse his bad taste, and is this considered a nipple ring? (laughs) If my eyeballs are forced to suffer through this nonsense, I'm dragging everyone down with me. (laughs) Um, It didn't take long for fellow group members to vent their disgust with the post, receiving hundreds of comments, with many taking the opportunity to crack out the best puns, like, the only thing hurting that cow is the horrid taste. (laughs) Gross. The animal does not deserve being abused in this faction. This should classify as animal abuse. Like, some people, like, didn't think it was funny at all. Oh. Um, they yeah, just some people no were like, you're hurting the animal. The animal's probably fine. I'm sure the ring wasn't there that long. The ring itself is pretty nice. Um, but at the end of the day, I guess what comes down to it is that the, the female receiving that proposal is happy. Right? That's all that matters. But... It's weird, guys. You're just going to have to go look at the picture and just let that scar your brain as it has ours. But if my my husband would have proposed, proposed like that, I would have said yes, but it would have been a little weird. <laughs> so the picture totally reminds me of a cover of one of my favorite albums from when what? I was little. <laughs> Yeah, so when I was little, I was a huge fan of Aerosmith. I owned all of their tapes. I listened to every album over and over again. Yeah, I listened to them on tapes. That's how young I was. When <laughs> you're I aging my really you're liked, aging yourself. <laughs> yeah, when I really liked Aerosmith. And in fact, like I was so young, I had dreams about Steven Tyler being my dad instead of being like, my boyfriend. <laughs> and they have an album I believe it's Get a Grip, and it's got the cow with the nipple yeah, ring it on does. it. On I the just udder. googled it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what that picture <laughs> kind of reminded me of. <laughs> like I saw it, and it immediately like brought that. So I don't know. Maybe this guy was just a huge Aerosmith fan. <laughs> he might have been, but nonetheless, I mean that album cover's a little weird too. <laughs> it is absolutely. <laughs> Okay, and that will conclude this week's Can't Evens. We hope you enjoyed being both brought to tears and emotionally disturbed by our selections this week. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) You are welcome. Do you want to read this week's farm story or do you want me to read it? Sure, I'll read it. Okay. I haven't read it yet, so it's another cold reading. Oh, good. Good. (laughs) I feel like those are the most entertaining authentic (laughs) authentic there we go and i'm really excited that we got a farm story they're starting to roll in a little more often yeah so maybe by you guys sending them in it's encouraging other people to send their stories so be sure and send those to us because we'll read them yeah make sure you email them to drinkandfarm at gmail.com or send it to us on facebook or instagram that's fine too and if you want to remain anonymous, that's totally fine. Just tell us not to say your name on the podcast. Yeah, and we'll be happy to do that for you. Yeah. So this farm story starts. 
Hey, ladies. Hey. Hey there. Hey. So on episode 73, Bev mentioned pigs fly because she got barn cats. That sparked me to send this farm story because on our farm, pigs really do fly. What? (laughs) These days, we usually have about 30 pigs on pasture at any given time between breeders, newborns, and feeders. But when we started our homestead 13 years ago, we decided to just buy one or two pigs at a time from the local sale barn to try our hand at raising them out. At that point, we didn't have a stock trailer, just my pickup truck. So my husband had fashioned a metal livestock cage of sorts that slid into the bed of my truck, complete with a gate we could open and close while the tailgate was down. The sides were about six feet tall with an open air top. It was perfect for hauling animals home. We went to the sale barn that week and along with various rabbits, ducks, and chickens, we bought a 200 pound hog. He was the perfect size to finish for about another month and then send to the butcher. He loaded up with no problem along with the rest of our bargains, but as we finished closing them up, it began to rain hard. We put tarps over the cages for the ducks, brought the bunnies and chickens into the cab, and made sure the pig had a good pile of hay to bury himself into and headed out for home. The way home was mostly back roads and rural highways traveling around 55 miles an hour. It poured down rain for a while with lots of thunder and lightning until we got about three quarters of the way home and it finally slowed a bit. By the time we finished the 45 minute drive, the rain had stopped. We decided to grab the caged animals and get them settled for the night, but leave the hog in the truck with some food and water until morning, knowing he would be difficult to handle in a new place in the dark. I began pulling the bunnies from the cab while my husband went to the back of the truck. Just a moment later, he was back at my window saying, uh, didn't we buy a pig tonight? (laughs) Yes, silly, I said. You want to come find him then? He replied. What? I asked, thinking he was just goofing off. He very seriously said, I can't find the pig. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) At this point, I assumed the pig had just buried itself deeply in the hay and decided it didn't want to move. I climbed into the back of the truck, hooked around, moved the cages out, moved the hay, and lo and behold, no pig. It was absolutely impossible. I thought for this pig to have climbed up the sides of the six-foot cage and jumped out of a moving truck in torrential downpour going 55 miles an hour in the dark on a highway. So he had to have escaped before we left the parking lot of the sail barn, right? I called the sail barn, gave him my buyer number and the tag number of the pig and asked them to keep an eye out in the parking lot. By this time, it was almost midnight, so we put the animals up for the night and went to bed. Mid-morning the next day, I got a call from the sail barn. I think someone found your pig. They said a farmer in the area had called the sale barn when he came out that morning to find his dog and a random pig curled up on the porch together. (laughs) That's the best. He recognized the tag from the barn and called them and they called me. I assumed the pig had gotten out of the parking lot, just like I thought, but wandered out to the neighboring farm before anyone saw him and camped out for the night. So we went to retrieve our pig. Y'all, this guy didn't live right next to the sale barn. He lived halfway between us and the barn, which means this pig had indeed climbed up the sides of the six-foot cage and jumped out of a moving truck in a torrential downpour going 55 miles an hour in the dark on a highway. (laughs) When we pulled in, I thought for sure I was going to have a mangled pig that I would need to take home and put down right away. Nope. Out trots this perfectly intact, not a scratch on him pig, like nothing had happened. I'm telling you, that pig had to have sprouted wings. We loaded him up, took him home, fattened him up for a month, and took him to the butcher. Only this time, we made a cover for the livestock cage. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, the flying pig is a running joke and a legend on our farm. For Mother's Day last year, my husband bought me a gold necklace with the charm of a pig with wings. It's one of my favorite pieces of jewelry. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) And that story was sent in by Karen Velez, which is at Wolf Creek Family Farm on IG. So thanks, Karen. Yeah, I don't know if I would have taken that pig to slaughter after all that. Like, that pig is, like, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it didn't get hurt at all. <laughs> right. But I mean, a 200 pound pig that you're planning on putting some more weight on is a pretty big 
animal to keep around your farm when you're not planning on it. (laughs) That is true. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah. Thanks for sending that in, Karen. That was pretty funny. Yes. (laughs) And now it's time for Housekeeping Corner. Housekeeping. Woo! And as always, we would like to ask you to review us in all the places. And if you really like us, download the episode when you listen and hit that subscribe button. And if you happen to listen to YouTube, leave us a comment. And don't forget to join our Facebook group. It's very important. Yes. And we have lots of good conversation in there. And you get to see Bev and Sam act like Bev and Sam in a way that only group members can see. (laughs) I mean, the thing that I posted last night was pretty awesome. (laughs) Uh, I agree. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We really enjoy doing this podcast for ourselves and for you guys and for each other. And yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah. And we seriously appreciate each and every one of you. So until next time, drink, farm, and give zero clucks. Bye, guys. We drink things, we farm things. For Saturday Lime isn't just for your coops and barns. There are so many ways to use it around your home. You can use First Saturday Lime to create a barrier around your home, your boots, and your firewood to keep unwanted bugs away. First Saturday Lime can also be used as a whitewash and it can be used to balance out the pH in water to prevent algae growth. With so many uses, you really can't go wrong using the safe organic lime. So go to firstsaturdaylime.com and use code DRINK at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping.